Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Yeah, this is Phil Stevens, strength coach. I run Strength Guild, uh, as well as all our athletes. I'm a powerlifter, Island Games athlete, coach, uh, all-around awesome individual. This is Dr. Mike Nelson, uh, owner of Extreme Human Performance, uh, faculty member at the Kerrigan Institute for Functional Neurology, uh, instructor at Rocky Mountain University, creator of the Flex Diet, and we don't have water this morning for some odd reason, but... None of our neighbors do, so at least I know it's not something that broke in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Is that frozen Minnesota pipes or something? I don't know. I don't know. That, that's what I thought. We got up, and I'm like, oh, man, a pipe broke. This is bad. Yeah. Checked with the neighbors. They live in a townhouse complex, and none of them have water either, which made me feel actually a lot better because that means maybe it's a city issue somewhere. Yeah. So. Uh, hmm. Just in. City of White Bear Lake, water main break. Oh, the whole city, the water main broke. I guess. Oh, that's not good. Oh boy, so that's that's not going to be fun. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. You know what? I am sitting here drinking some. This is called devotion or devotion. This is from the New York Coffee Festival. I'm just drinking this coffee. Good coffee is a winner way to start the day. I'm just saying. I'll probably get more <laughs> and more animated as we go <laughs> go along. I'm yeah. Drinking this good stuff. High caffeine or just one of those kind of fancy highbrow coffees? No, yeah, it's just highbrow stuff, but I, I just fresh ground it, you know, and it's it's just really, nice. you can always tell a mm-hmm. good coffee. Yeah, this is not gas station coffee. I know we have some listeners who like yeah. the utility of gas station coffee, but this is not that. And I'm digging it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. All right. Uh, let's start with two questions before we get to our topic of the day. Um, for those of you who want to stick around, and I hope you do, we're going to talk about the post-competition period. Uh, how long is it? What do you do during it, right? So as Phil would, has often talked about, if you're going to peak, there's got to be a valley on either side. So we're going to talk about what you do in that period and try to draw in some time of year issues, like what you do in the post-competition period. It might differ this time of year versus in the middle of the summer, like if you're going to do recreational activities or whatever. So anyway, we'll talk about that post-competition period after the break. All right. Um, two listener questions. We have more listener mail than we do uh, straight science news this morning. This first one is from Reagan. It's sort of an academic and career question, and she's turning to us, I think, because she's been a listener for a while, and, well, we'll get to this. She says, I am an avid listener of the Iron Radio podcast, which is partly why I'm reaching out to you instead of other professionals. I'm currently a senior at my university's athletic training program, Uh, graduating with my certification in the spring. Uh, I feel it's necessary to obtain my master's degree. Uh, The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. So already wise, I think. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and rare in the fitness world. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's see. I have found my passion in strength and conditioning after completing some research projects 
on the relationship of training and injury and practicing the theories myself, uh, I see a discrepancy. This is sort of the core of this. I see a discrepancy in the relationship of athletic trainers and strength coaches. Uh, both of these professionals can have a huge impact on injury prevention, but oftentimes uh, it's overlooked. That is prevention. Uh, going forward, I'd like to practice strength conditioning with the mindset of an athletic trainer uh, for, with the goal of prevention. The faculty at my college is very focused on rehab, much like most institutions across the athletic training programs. Uh, it's difficult to find someone with insight into the, the profession uh, who may be able to help me in the direction to take post-graduation. I'm sorry if this is something you feel you could not be helpful with, or you could, but Maybe there's something, someone you can point me towards. Uh, I'm a, at a serious loss, and I don't know where to turn to further my education. Uh, I'm trying to keep this short. I know all too well uh, classes are coming to a close, and it's crunch time for professors as well. Thank you so much for taking your time to read this, Reagan. Uh, mm. oh, well, let me, uh, let me start this with a, a personal comment. You, uh, she asked, is it difficult to find someone with insight into the profession well, I can tell you, it's difficult to find someone who's going to put their money where their mouth is when it comes to prevention. Uh, we have a reactive healthcare model, and I don't want to offer too much toughness in the tough love, but um, you're always going to see salaries. Like I can tell you in Ohio, an average physical therapist might make $75,000 a year, and the strength coaches that I know that graduate from my program, even if they work at big D1 schools, they might make maybe a third of that. Uh, yeah. Half if they're very lucky, so maybe yeah. between 25 and 45. So we ha we put our money into the reactive medicine side, into the rehab side, and I think maybe that's why Reagan is getting a little bit disgruntled, right? Like, I want to stop people from doing this, and she's right in, in saying that, right? <laughs> in thinking that, like, an ounce of prevention should be worth a pound of cure. Uh, now, and again, that's salary-wise, but let me say this. Of the strength coaches that I know, that I've helped create or I've just known as a peer, very few of them regret it. In fact, I don't know if any of them yes. regret it. Despite the early mornings and the long hours, they're their own boss. They truly love what they're doing. And to me, that's what an education should do for you, right? So you can stand on your own two feet, have an apartment and a car, pay your dues for the first 10 years, right? But do something you love. But Phil, what's your insight on this? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, and the same thing could be said for nutrition. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's all about, it's not about what can I do to fix this before it happens. It's all about what pill can I take to fix this and keep doing the crap I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The only thing you could potentially do is, you know, uh, hook up with schools in your area. That's one thing that's helped me is, like, it's starting to come out more in athletics at least. Like, they're starting to give talks on baseball and things like that around here. I don't know if it's nationally. But how, like strength training is look. Oh, it's amazing! It's it's preventing Tommy Johns and things like that. Yeah. And that the more that spreads around, the better it is for us, um, because it gets more people coming in. Like I gained five baseball players in the last two weeks. Nice. And like most of them are pitchers. Um. So and they're coming in just doing basic strength training. Um. So the more that gets out there, the better. So you'll probably have to be a voice in your own wherever you end up being good advice and yeah like i often end up dealing with i have high school coaches that come in and things like that so they're getting ready to have me come talk to one of the schools i'm going in there as a uh and as an advisor 
So basically, I shot it to him. I was like, don't bring me in there and say, okay, he's going to tell us what to do. Um, because whoever's running that program now is probably be quite defensive about that. Um, I said, bring me in there as a, let me see what you're doing and then give you ideas of how you can better that. Um, like a, yo, what you're doing is great, but if we do this, it'll be even better type of thing. So we can pitch it kind of as I'm going to help him do even more than he's doing now. Not that your shit sucks. Um, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> yeah. and I don't know, it might be, a, oh God, we got to scrap it all guys. Um, I hope not. <laughs> But uh, and then I'm gonna speak it. You know, from there, they want me to speak next year. They have a yearly meeting of all the high school coaches in this area, strength coaches or athletic coaches, and they want me to come speak at that. Uh, so it's those type of connections that can help you. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't regret it all going on private sector. I mean, I like it because I can make more money than I can at a university. You know, and because I get both. And you know, part of it with that. Athletes, at least, it's just you need to get one and, and make them better. And then the magically the word spreads. Uh, and then I start, you start getting more. I have tons of college athletes that come here. Like right now, we're busy because they're all on break, so they're all back here. Um, and they'll go away at the mid-January and go back to school. And then I get them all summer again. But then I get high school kids, too. So and I usually have them year-round. So it's just that word kind of spreads. And you'll end up getting those athletes just from word of mouth. I mean... So, yeah, Phil, would you say it's um, scalable then? Like, if you're going to do it yourself, you got to be willing to be poor for a while and then it scales up, oh, yeah. up. But then eventually the ceiling would be higher than what you might make at a university or a clinic. Does that sound fair? Yes. Yeah. You're not going to start off where, where you were. So, I mean, and that's what I, I just gave somebody else some advice about how to start their own gym. And uh, I think I think starting small, like I started one of the things I did, is I started profitable off day one. Um because I didn't go buy $20,000 worth of stuff. You know, you can do a lot with a power rack and a bar and some plates (laughs) with very minimal investment and then grow as needed. And we didn't even have a bench for a long time. I had everybody floor press. Wow. So even my power lifters, we freaking floor pressed. So, (laughs) and it worked. Um, But, uh, and then grow from there. You know, basically I grew from one power rack and a platform and some weights to now I'm in my big place. Uh, I grew as needed. So, yeah, I mean, connect with people uh, and you can you'll get people and like I've helped people cure their type two diabetes and things like that. That helps too. word spreads. Um, And again, that's on the preventative side. You know, they did something to prevent themselves from going or at least fix it. And then, uh, you know, prevented themselves from having to take medication and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And spreads about that. Hey, look at this. I don't have to take this anymore. You should try it. Um so I get kind of both. I have, I have, we have a weird client base. You know, I have, uh, we're all across the board. So, and I think that's where you need to be private sector. Okay. It's hard to be just one thing unless you're in a, I imagine if I was in a huge city, like if I was in New York city or something, there's freaking 55 million athletes or something, you know, <laughs> that I could deal with just athletes. But I mean, oh, right. I, I turn all my regular people into athletes. So that, that's how I deal with that. It's like, Hey, guess what? You're going to compete in something. Oh, Okay. <laughs> But I'm 65. That's okay. We can do it. That's right. So, yeah. I like what you said about being a voice. Like, by bringing in other people, like-minded people, maybe that's the niche. And again, Reagan, I'm assuming you're a girl. Maybe I shouldn't. Um, But uh, regardless of your gender, yeah, you could – that could be your niche. You could be a voice, right? That Hey, prevention 
works. Like exercise is a very potent preventative kind of thing. Dr. Nelson, what about your experience with this? Someone who's, again, ATC and strength coach passion wants to know where to go from here. Yeah, with <clears throat> students I have like that, I always advise them if, you know, whatever experience you can get being an intern, maybe for a strength coach, um, you're, a lot of times you're not going to get paid. You're going to have really crappy hours, but you'll know if you want to do that or not. Um, and then you'll have some experience. You hopefully do a good job. You'll know someone there who can give you a referral because, you know, as you guys know, a lot of the strength coaching is just like anything else. A lot of it's, you know, who you know and that type of thing, too. Obviously, you have to do a good job. But um, and even beyond that, you know, getting some experience, maybe, you know, working at a gym or something like that. And in the future, if she wants to do more uh, private sector stuff. I always tell people that if you can, you know, go work for someone who's running a private sector gym like uh -huh. Bill or somebody like that. And then just you're going to get some money, probably not going to make a ton of money, but you're also going to learn, you know, hopefully their system, you know, someone who's going to educate you along the way. And then again, you get some money to try to figure out if this is what you want to do. Because yeah. it's amazing how many students I have who come out and they're like, well, I want to run my own gym. I'm like, oh. Well, that's cool. Um, do you like business? Like business? No, I hate business. I'm like, well, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and if you just want to work and coach for someone else, then that's great too. But I, oh man, I've just seen a lot of gyms fail with people who, like Phil was saying, buy too much equipment. Yeah. Don't want to treat it like a business. Assume they're going to put a name, and people are just going to run in their door and. Yeah, especially now, it just doesn't work that way. So, yeah. And, I mean, like, I ended up working at a gym here for quite a while off and on. The last place I was at years ago filed bankruptcy, didn't tell me. I went there to train a client, and there's, like, a sign on the door. Hey, if you want the rest of your money, right to this address in Iowa. We're, we went under. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. So I, I called up uh, Wendler at Elite FTS and... We talked about random stuff and death metal for two hours, and I bought a rack and a bar and a bench. <laughs> Hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, good stuff. Uh, yeah. You know what? I think if I can explain my comments about where the money is, part of the reason, I think, for this reactive medical model is third-party reimbursement, right? Insurance companies yeah. will pay a physical therapist for certain conditions. Like, oh, here's we're going we're gonna to pay for six or eight sessions for rehab after some kind of ACL repair or a total knee replacement, whatever it is, then the strength coaches are actually being handed the baton after the PTs get uh -huh. kind of the big bucks from the insurance companies, right? Even in, uh -huh. Phil mentioned nutrition. Even in nutrition, we do not have the sort of blanket, blank checks written in clinical nutrition for all kinds of conditions. Uh, no. Renal disease and, and diabetes, uh, kind of about it. You know, so there's yeah. it's all about how much insurance companies are willing to pay for your services. And they just typically don't don't put their money where their mouth is as far as, you know, annual salaries of 60, 70, 90 thousand dollars a year uh, for prevention for, you know, for the people that are in prevention. I will say this uh, before I, I started talking to Phil a lot or an old friend of mine, he was a university strength coach, Ray, Ray Eady. Uh, He's up in Wisconsin now, but I was asking him about what's your 
literally in writing, what's your job responsibility? Because I thought it would be something about either strength or or conditioning or something regarding performance. And he said, number one, injury prevention. That's why I'm paid my salary. I'm like, oh, well, okay, that's an education for me. So it's not it's not even performance first. It's literally injury prevention was what the university was paying him to do. So it's something to keep in mind. So I could definitely see that at the college level. And I agree with Mike. I mean, that's one thing like this conversation I was having yesterday with another individual is like uh, nobody sees the 10 years I put in before I opened my own place. Yeah, <laughs> I worked for, and it, I worked for I, I won't say who, but I mean, there was a time where I worked for like five hundred dollars every three weeks and room to sleep in, you yeah. know, and it was like, but I did it because I love this. And, uh, you know, so basically I didn't have any bills, but I didn't make anything. But I mean, I got a lot of experience and uh, learned on the private sector and, and things like that. And, and you finally take that step on your own and you may have to work a second job at the beginning. That's right. And you may have to do something else. But yeah. Uh, OK. Um, I think it's a common question. So you're not alone, Reagan. That's I, I think it's actually the most difficult life stage is not graduating high school, but it's what to do when you're kind of you're done with uh, in your case, college, and then you're you're being asked now what, you know? So it, it's actually quite quite tough. But again, something that's a challenge can also be an opportunity. Maybe you can be that ambassador for prevention, you know, and work in that direction. Yeah. Hook up with like-minded people. You just got to surf around the web, look at different departments, look at the faculty's interests, stuff like that. So, I mean, well, I think we've mentioned PTs numerous times. I'm connected with a great PT, and, and uh, I think that's good to do. Basically, we hit off of each other. Oh, I've got a person with an issue. I'll send them to you. Hey, I've got a person that no longer has any issues except they're weak. Okay, I'm going to send them to you. Yep. <laughs> um, type of thing. Networking is huge. Uh, things like that. Yeah, mutual respect, right? Because, yeah, I, I think sometimes we've discussed this, but strength coaches will drift into the PT scope of practice maybe a little too far yes. with some of the, the yeah. functional movement screens or, or rehabbing people, yep. soft tissue work, and there's a lot of different things that really are sort of, other professions, and I'm not saying the strength yes. coaches can't do any of it at all, but you got to keep it sort of at the the screening entry kind of level, and then you have yep. that respect to make that referral when you feel like you're out of your scope. Uh, and yep. and honestly, the PTs need to be doing that too, because yeah. uh, PTs maybe not as as much as nurses, but sometimes I feel like those professions their scope is broad enough. They try to be everything to everybody, and sometimes they need to say Phil Stevens knows more than I do about this. Phil, help, you know, kind of thing. All right. Okay, next one. This is a very different question. We'll just do this one before we go to break. This is from Dan. Uh, He wrote to to Fortress. So Dan's an old-timer. He's been listening to us for a long time. Uh, He says, good day, Fortress. Um, I've been a pretty long-time supporting member. I keep forgetting to ask for that testosterone booster seminar. And, again, that's something that we give to – supporting members that have been around for a while we try to remember you know people who continue to support iron radio and not just the the new incoming people anyway you guys have been there for me for years and it is fitting as i am just finishing grad school uh, and student teaching um i look into what the good doctors have to say on a subject uh let's see i'll cut out some of this email but the the question here is so my mom an obese, heavy caffeine drinker uh, and asthmatic. 
who uses an inhaler way too often, just got out of the hospital. She's 52 and has heart failure. That is enlarged heart. She's on beta blockers for the rest of her life. Now, the question is about him. As a large mammal, 5'10", 240, uh, 240 pounds, who drinks a lot of coffee and is on stimulants for ADHD, I'm worried about something like this happening to me. Obviously, I'm going to talk to my doctor about this. Uh, but she is not a lifter uh, and still buys a lot into some of the old myths about lifting and caffeine or dietary cholesterol and things of that nature. Um, what can you, you know, what can you answer for me? And then he says, P.S. Fortress, get your ass back on the show. We need more metal talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, honestly, Fortress and you, Mike, are the people that I go to the most. when If I want heavy metal recommendations, death yeah. metal, anything, you guys are the ones I go to Good for that. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, don't let Mike Nelson's, you know, mild-mannered uh, uh, professional appearance fool you, big metal head. <laughs> so you can ask questions to Dr. Nelson, too. Yeah. Here's what I would suggest, uh, Dan. Uh, one, you might want to consider, actually, if you're such a large mammal. Now, if you're really lean already, that's one thing. I don't know your body comp, but you might want to think about cycling down to maybe 215 or something for half a year and just see how you feel. Uh mm. And I say that because you you mentioned in this email that your your um, a lot of your numbers look healthy. I'm assuming you mean like blood pressure, blood lipids, things like that. Um, I can tell you um, there's a member in my family who's not even 50 and um, hypertensive for a long time, uh, high blood viscosity. And again, some of our listeners who are large mammals, if they if they use androgens. Their hematocrit can get very high, for example, and I think that could worsen it, right? Your blood viscosity, gets, your blood gets kind of thick. Uh, so I would monitor your blood pressure. I'd monitor your hematocrit and hemoglobin just in case. Now, if you don't use androgens of any kind, it's still a common genetic mutation, right, that you have too much hematocrit, hemoglobin, right, too much red cell mass, and that, that leads to thicker blood. So your heart has to push harder, and it sort of hypertrophies in, in a not a good way. So again, I'm just suggesting you consider these things, and I'm glad you're talking to your physician because we're not medical doctors. But mm -hmm. heart issues are something that often comes up, honestly, with the large mammals. Uh, not necessarily. I know a lot of people who are super healthy, but yeah, you sh to be 50 years old and already, or even sub 50, and have problems with an enlarged heart, that to me suggests that your, your, your myocardium, your heart muscle has been under too much stress, right? Your heart is a fist-sized muscle, but it really is a muscle. It's different from skeletal muscle in a lot of ways, but at the same time, um, if it's under a lot of resistance all the time, it's going to grow, and eventually it's going to stretch out a little and, and that sort of thing and, and cause some problems. And again, I, I can't really speak to the coffee and the ADHD meds. I mean, common ADHD meds are stimulants. I get that, right? Amphetamine, right? Adderall is, mm -hmm. we used to call that amphetamine. Uh, so... I can see some concern, and it might be worth checking with your doctor. And again, you got to be part of your own health care. So monitor your blood pressure. Look at your hematocrit and hemoglobin. These are very simple tests uh, just to make sure. And again, I would consider doing something like Phil does every once in a while, every couple of years. He'll peel down the body weight a little bit just to see if mm -hmm. he feels better. Uh, what do you think, Phil? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think times, like one, one of the bigger changes, I've done this always, but I mean like once a year I used to do kind of a reset for like three months and eat like extremely good usually low carb um and do that for three months a year 
And I mean, most of the time I'm trying to stay big as I can, but now one thing I've changed as I'm older, getting in my forties is, uh, I only eat up towards meats like the last eight weeks. I tell my people, okay, it's time to eat like an asshole. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I eat up to meats instead of, you know, the very usual now is people cutting down for meats. It's like they're, they're bigger and they're trying to stay big all the time. And then they cut a few pounds off. I do the opposite. I'm running around 20 pounds light and then all those last eight weeks. Okay. Let's see how much I can pack on and get into this meat. And, uh, so basically I'm only eating, let's say if I compete two times a year, I'm eating horrible 16 weeks out of the year. So the other 40 weeks I'm, I'm not right. <laughs> um, yeah. And the other thing I think that we all get that are, that are into heavy lifting get, uh, are guilty of is probably not enough cardiovascular exercise. Um, making sure you have some of that and it, that doesn't have to be anything horrible. You, know, you go for walks you know, <laughs> and things like that. Just get out there and move around, get on your feet and move, uh, is going to be a big help. And, uh, okay. Yeah. I think fish oils, I mean, they're using those now in, in Europe and everything as a, almost prescribing them for mm-hmm. heart disease. So I think that can't be under understated and that goes into your blood viscosity level too. I mean, it's going to thin your blood somewhat and things like that. So, yeah, I've read, and again, I, I can't reference this, uh, but the data are out there that vitamin E and fish oils, both, I, I'm almost certain they reduce red blood cell stickiness and things of that nature. And again, this is assuming that hematocrit's one of his things that it's very high. Um, yeah. He's focused more on the stimulants and that sort of thing. Now, Mike, I know you worked uh, behind the scenes sort of in the, the medical device industry with cardiac type stuff. So what are your thoughts about this? ADHD, mom with enlarged heart, large mammal, et cetera. Yeah, so I, I worked for 12 years in the medical device industry and uh, cardiac uh, pacemakers, defibrillators, that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, a couple of things. It's probably worth getting at least a resting heart rate or possibly a heart rate variability, which you can do with different apps and stuff now. His HRV is going to be skewed because of the ADHD meds. So one of the first questions, if I get, once in a while I get kind of random HRV sent to me, and I'll look at it, and if the HRV is really bad, I'll ask him, like, what medication are you on? And a lot of times, um, stimulants for ADHD, right, because there are some pathomimetics, will just whack your HRV. So I haven't seen the long-term data on that, but my gut feeling is it's probably not good, right? I mean, if his, like the cutoff I use, which again is just a rough cutoff, your resting heart rate seated first thing in the morning is even in the 60s and you're a large mammal, eh, that's that's making me think you probably want to do some lower intensity cardio for a while, um, which is boring as sin, you know, 90 to maybe 130, 140 beats per minute. Yeah. Right? You can get into cardiac hypertrophy uh, changes versus eccentric versus concentric type stuff but and then also like you guys mentioned just going to your physician getting some basic blood work you know making sure you know where your numbers are at um and those people also i've had them or at least consider they should look at blood glucose so you can do that yourself just take a fasting reading first thing in the morning because it kind of irks me that when you go in and get blood work which is definitely a good thing but most guys probably only go in like once every couple of years and you're like trying to make decisions based off of one fasting glucose number, which seems kind of crazy to me. And then uh, last thing that a little bit out of the box, two things, 
Uh, he wanted to make sure that he's sleeping good, that he doesn't have any sleep apnea. Yes. Because I've seen that in a lot of people, especially if your neck size starts getting above 17 inches, which in a lot of lifters is super common. Um, and then the very last thing is that if he's got ADHD and he's trying to, to cycle off that through his physician, he may want to look at uh, some functional neurology because they look at uh, function of the eyes and a bunch of other uh, inputs and possibly even like breathing mechanics and things of that nature. Just to see if there's anything he can do on, on that side, you know, if he's deciding that that's something he wants to tackle with a physician. That's good advice. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to be very vague, but not that long ago, Mike, you know that we're because of you, uh, you turned me on to HRV and we're trying to look at co- connections between excessive caffeine intake and, and HRV, yeah. thinking it might the number might go lower, right? There might be more sympathetic drive. One of the subjects um, had an HRV of 36. Um, and I'm like, are you living on caffeine? Are you not sleeping? And uh, as it turns out, uh, despite you know acknowledging that she shouldn't be in the study because our exclusion criteria is ADHD meds, right? Because we know how, you know, adrenaline-like, adrenergic they are, sympathomimetic, as you point out. Um, And as it turns out, yeah, the subject actually was on Adderall and God, 36. I mean, everybody else is like 80 something, 90 something, you know, on this hundred scale. And so definitely has a role. And I like what Phil said about the high, uh, doing a little bit of high intensity interval work or some type of cardio or like what you said if you're if you are strung out maybe lower intensity cardio I can tell you one of the differences between myself and that family member uh, that I have uh, is that I actually came around and started doing some cardio I you can't be so paranoid that all cardio is going to keep you from getting big you know no. some level of cardio is not going to interfere with your muscle mass in fact joey antonio from the issn he's been tweeting a little bit about that in the in the past month that um some cardio a little bit of high intensity interval stuff or some of the low intensity um may actually help gains like if, if yeah. you're cardiovascular you're out of shape it may actually help on some level so i don't want people to think that they shouldn't do any of that so once he has medical clearance uh to do something like that yeah, don't neglect the sleep and the cardio. Yeah, you know. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's all we can really suggest, right, buddy? Because we're not physicians, but you need to go talk to your doctor about that. Be part of your own treatment, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, let's go to break, and when we come back, we'll talk about that post-competition period. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, There is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and 
protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single digit royalty on the book. But that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. I can't stop feeling. Some of us don't understand how lucky we are to be living in this Hi, listeners. This is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rated in your thoughts. Over the past several years, there have been hundreds of listener comments hoping that Iron Radio stays on the air for years to come. Iron Radio is here for you. But as with any public radio-type format, the show is listener-supported. That's where you come in. For just $4 a month, you become a supporting member, keeping your weekly dose of education, experts, and gym talk flowing. Just go to www.ironradio.org and click on the $4 monthly subscribe button near the bottom of the page. Or... Click the Donate button at the right of the page for a one-time donation. You are the Iron Brotherhood and Sisterhood. Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor between now and January, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, folks, we're back. It's Phil, Lonnie, and Mike, and we're going to talk about the post-competition period. Uh, part of the impetus for this was that Phil's been running around himself and with some of his team uh, at meets, even multiple meets. Uh, and it does sort of bring up the question, what do you do when you're done? So, Phil, you are, you're always sort of a proponent of, listen, if you're going to peak for something, by definition, that means there's a valley on either side. So we're going to talk about the valley on the post side. Uh, so yeah. you've done your competition. Uh, different people compete a different number of times each year. 
Uh, mm -hmm. Phil, I know as you've gotten older, you actually you peak less often, arguably. Um, but so first question is for each of you. These are sort of brief questions. But how long is this period? How long is this post-competition valley before you start to turn the volume meter back up and, and get more intense? Phil? Depends. <laughs> okay. It <laughs> depends. Um, yeah, for, for some of my stronger athletes, it's longer. Um, like, we did record breakers. What was it? Oh, God, it's, that was early November. And we're just now, like, we've been just kind of coasting since then. So we've been coasting for about a month, most of those people. Um, like, I'm just going to start them going, including myself, here in the next few weeks. Uh, but you're talking about people moving, you know, a lot of pounds and potentially they've been at it longer and have done a lot more damage to their bodies and our, our training cycles tend to beat us up more. You know, it's just, it's not saying I, I'm a big believer in that, like your hundred percent is the same as my hundred percent as far as like what it does to you and how much it taxes like your central nervous system and things like that. But at a point 800 is different than 400. So <laughs> yes, <Yep. laughs> um, so we take a little more time off. I, I generally give them a little more time off to just okay, let's just go have fun in the gym because um, it's mentally taxing to to get raised. Like okay, I got to squat. I had one guy squat nine something, and it's like man, take a break. Let's go have fun and do whatever you want. Um, and then my other people, like these people last weekend, not saying that they're. I mean, my wife squatted three hundred. She deadlifted three twenty five and benched i don't know 160 or something like that uh we had a good group of ladies several of them pulled their first 300s they 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 kind of take a slow week is what we're doing with them and now we'll start pushing it back up again hmm. okay get yeah. them rolling so generally i like everybody to take almost a week off uh after a meet we'll take a total week off uh or just come in and move around light like they came in and moved around and nothing over 50 percent was what i prescribed them uh just move, <laughs> get yeah. the bugs out of the system, get the achiness and the soreness off. Um, but then we're going to start way back. You know, we're going to start off at, you know, 60 to 70% of max is where we're going to begin. And they're not going to be upward towards anywhere near that, what they just did for three months. Yeah. A couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's going to be a slow ramp up. They're going to be in this Valley and they're going to slowly push up. And that also depends on when their next, uh, meat's going to be so they might say that we might extend that valley a little bit or if it's long enough out let's say it's freaking six months out we might have a, a, a different peak in between there oh yeah so mm -hmm. my athletes you know we might come up to a small like a gym peak and then okay let's start again generally i run in three month cycles so and the average athlete will will peak out four times a year be that in the gym or in the meet and in the gym's a little less intense uh you know, we're just going to come up to a test. Sometimes that's a three rep. Sometimes that's a five rep. Okay. And we can base progress off of that. You know, <laughs> you don't need to, you don't, you don't need to go to a, an all out one rep max to see that you've gotten better. Yeah. You know, if we can do a hard five, that's better than the hard five you've ever done before. Well then we're better. So mm -hmm. that's something. Yeah. I... I mean, we'll take a, we'll take a break from the dieting. If they've been dieting, we'll stop dieting. You know, if they've been losing, we'll stop losing for a little while. If they've been gaining, we'll stop gaining for a little while. So things like that. So Right. That's something that I actually learned from powerlifters. Uh, coming from more of a bodybuilding interest background, 
is the idea is the way you guys you'll take one step back so you could take two or three steps forward. You know, like you said, like starting starting back at about sixty percent. You don't pick back up at eighty five, ninety percent. You know, just start. You know, again, there's so much hyperbole in magazines about red line and blow yourself out and you know mushroom oh, cloud and you know and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's really I think it's it's gratifying in way in a way to st- take a step back, like you said, start at lower percentages. So you can have the patience to eventually exceed your 100%, right? But you're taking that yeah. half a step back or a step back so you could take that two steps forward. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the weird thing with athlete, athletics, at least strength athletics, our off-season is like the opposite of bodybuilding's off-season. We're yeah. looking to put on that mass and things like that. We're looking to do the, the if you want to call it aesthetic work, that's fine because it leads to that by, by function. But, uh, you know... We're doing our hypertrophy work way out from competition. Yeah, bigger engine. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and that's what one thing, I mean, if you looked at pictures of even Ed Cohn back in the day, he looked better months out from being on the platform, aesthetically. Right. You know? Yeah. And then you get closer to the platform, okay, man, I'm, you go into a training session. I've had training sessions where it was like eight reps. <laughs> that was the training. The session. whole session. You're yeah. not gonna, yeah. You're not gonna get any hypertrophy from eight reps. Uh, so, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, not counting the warm ups. I mean, that's. But uh, you know, so we get all that in. If I have athletes that okay, man, we need a bigger motor. You know, this is the time to do it. We're working with more of that. So uh, generally, they're muscularly sore. My my lifters are more muscularly sore way out from meat. They're more joint sore near a meat. <laughs> Makes sense. Is what is the two things I'm having to deal with. So, uh, so we're trying to, you know, I'm having to balance two different scales at different times of the year. Um, so, right. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. kind of where we're at. But all right, duration, uh, Miguel, Doctor Nelson, what do you think uh, in that trough, that post-competition yeah. trough, and and you could bring in the training stuff if you want as well. Like, what do you mean, you know, by the by that trough, et cetera. Yeah, so what I normally look at is, like Phil was saying, I'll look at the mental side and then also the physical side. Right? So physical side, I'll normally use resting heart rate, uh, heart rate variability. And that'll give me a pretty good idea because we've got a baseline of when they started, you know, going up to the meet, whether it's a power lifter or I do work with some uh, physique athletes. Then after that, if it's a physique athlete, my goal is I don't, let them even talk about another show until at minimum I see their heart rate variability stress come back to where it should be baseline again, right? Because obviously doing a stress, any type of competition is going to be very stressful. And I find with physique athletes that uh, period's even longer, right? Because you're so, you know, Lana, you're just, you know, so depleted. Your calories are low. You're trying to keep your training as high as you can and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, And then on the, mental side just you, know, you can look at like rpe of their lifting a lot of it i just go by just willingness to train and it's like do you even feel like training and a lot of times they're like no I'm like i just make phil say go to the gym do some light stuff you know a lot of times i'll have more people do powerlifting do like um maybe some even blood flow restriction or just hypertrophy i call them like Hey, you get like two to three dude broad days this week. You've been wanting to do arms for a long time. Yeah, take two sessions, forty-five minutes, do mm-hmm. arms. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yep. Yeah, you yep. know, just 
because I know it's not going to physically beat them up that much. Their HRV is not going to get worse. It usually gets better. Uh, mentally, they're going to feel better. That And they're moving, right? Because you don't want them to get in that rut of, oh, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to walk. I'm not going to move. And I've, I've had people do that, too, and they just take forever to recover. Uh, um, another thing I have noticed, maybe you guys noticed this, too, more on the swing side is, if their aerobic base is more developed, they tend to bounce back a little quicker. Oh, yeah. Like I've had some people where literally like a week or two, they were pretty good to you know start working on their next cycle. They're not going to start them out super high or anything. And I've had other people where, man, they were a wreck for like several months. So it's like, hey, I got this downtime. Maybe let's do some boring aerobic base work for a while mm-hmm. to get that up. But then when we start adding and pushing more volume, you can handle it and you can, you know, recover from it. The two steps back, one step forward type thing. Okay. No, makes sense. Uh, You're right. I I think it's an important distinction with the physique type athletes, right? Is that, holy God, you're uh, unlike what Phil was suggesting about just pigging out on everything in sight, the the, the sort of (laughs) seafood diet, if you follow me. Uh, Yeah. The, the bodybuilder and the physique person, they've got all this volume, and they're underfed, you know, they start ending up, and again, my a lot of my memories were doing this in my 40s where little nagging injuries, I don't mean something that would keep you out of the gym, but, you know, you've got all these little pulls and strains and things like that. You're, you're undernourished. Um, and yet at the same time, after about a week or so, I think the last few times I competed, I actually just took about a week. And then I found myself just kind of putzing around in the gym after five or six days, you know, um, just doing fun stuff. You know, trying to keep the intensity down. I'm not going nuts so on the, you know, um, pre-workouts or anything like that. Just trying to have fun, you know, and, and enjoy eating again, you know, and repairing. Yeah. Maybe some massage or soft tissue work might might be called for in that period, you know, if you're really beat up, your you know, your joints and your soft tissues and everything. But uh, the refeed is also a big thing with the physique athletes. So people refeed in different rates, I suppose. Um, I don't literally reverse mirror the diet because I used to do like 20 to 24 week diets. There's no way I'm going to refeed that slowly back up, <laughs> but about six weeks or something, a month or six weeks. I, I wouldn't just in, head straight, at least in theory, <laughs> I wouldn't head straight for the Dairy Queen blizzards. Although <laughs> once in a while, you know, when you're trying to get yourself back <laughs> together, I can see doing that. Uh, but yeah, you have to realize there's a lot of enzymes, and I'm not going to bore people with talk of lipoprotein, lipase, and all these storage enzymes, but they are very greedy to store fat, and you could end up doing so much physique damage as far as body fat gain and that sort of thing that you you rue the day that you decided to have three blizzards every day you know, in your refeed. So a period of refeed is a good idea. I like what you said, Mike, about the, the HRV you know, and looking at your recovery, monitoring with, with some numbers, actually, your recovery. Uh, if there's stimulants trying to cycle them down because a lot of stimulant use gets super high, obviously that'll crush HRV and stuff too, but that's a big stressor on the body, right? So I always try people to slowly kind of, you know, come back down to a semi-sane level again too. Right on. I mean, some melatonin to help you get to sleep at night, you know, re- reestablish the sleep cycle, just the whole thing. Yeah, yeah the nervous system big time. Um Okay, because it's I'm looking out the window right now. I'm hearing the snow plows go by. It's here in Ohio where we're blanketed with some <laughs> snow due to an Alberta clipper coming through here. But um, 
Is there any difference in time of year? I mean, I know what we do is in the gym a lot, uh, but during that trough period, Phil, would you do anything like if you just finished a meet in May, are you going to do anything in that after period differently in the, during the summertime versus this time of year? Just curious. No, I mean, the only thing in, in, in theory, no, in practice, maybe would be outside less. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, so the weather might inhibit what, you know, instead of being outside pulling a sled, we may be inside swinging a kettlebell, you know, okay. yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. But I mean, the end game and you know, we're just, we're getting the same thing done with different tools essentially. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. I get it. I mean, in physique competitions, I used to actually target like a late April, uh, May kind of thing. And it's fun to be in shape during the summer. So it would be fun for me during that period go to the pool and stuff, you know, because you still you still feel like you look good, you know, and you can get outside yeah. or you could, you know, do, yeah, play some soccer, a pickup game, a basketball, or you could do stuff that, I'm, mm -hmm. again, looking out my window, I'm not going to be doing that right now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, no, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess maybe adding a little more uh, cardiovascular activity in the winter because people don't get as much naturally. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe just more moving. But I mean, and the good thing about the holiday season, everybody's eating. So I have a lot of people like they're eating by default. So <laughs> right. Going on. So yeah. Let's, let's freaking do some volume. You know, everybody's eating. So, uh, you know, and that's one thing I never uh, understood on the one thing on the physique side that I never understood was how people ran that. It was like, OK, we're going to do this really heavy, low volume stuff while we're big. And then, OK, we're getting down to competition. I'm eating nothing but like kale and chicken breast and i'm gonna do insane volume when i have no fuel to yeah actually use all that volume and they know burn the cuts in bro you gotta do all <laughs> burn the cuts <laughs> in bro <laughs> it's like you have no fuel to handle that volume and you're doing all this insane volume it's like you know that would have been better better done earlier in the season yeah. but uh no nah, i mean no, weather doesn't change what I do much. Right. I mean, no, I hear you. I'm, I'm thinking along the lines of other productive pursuits and things, too. You know, like, if because I think it's good to disengage your mind in a lot of ways. And what I might be doing this time of year is is not what I would be doing in June, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, that stuff out of the gym, I, I don't control much. I can tell people what to do. But, honestly, I don't care what my people do out of the gym. It's, you know, as far as their active life. Yeah. It's like, go do something. I want them to go out and be active. You know, go out and go hiking, go Hike. do this or that, go yeah. shovel snow. I don't care. But, I mean, what I control, I can only, I can give recommendations, but when they're not in my sight, I can't. Oh, I, sure. I've grown to it's, know that it's not, it's, it's out of my hands. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so individual, right, what you might do to disengage a hobby or, or whatever. But, no, yeah. to your point, though, yeah, I like hikes. That kind of stuff. Like, I'm not mowing the lawn twice a week this time of year. So it's a good yeah. point about everybody's in more of a naturally positive energy balance this time of year. I mean, if you live anywhere in the Midwest or, or north of that, you know, so to speak, because you're, yeah, you're just not doing a lot of that stuff unless you're shoveling snow or trying to thaw, yeah, your, I mean, thaw, thaw your frozen pipes. Here. People come in more often because they don't have other things to do. If summer comes around, they're all camping and fishing and hiking and blah, blah. And it's like, wow, it's crickets in here you know they're right. all out doing stuff and then the winter comes around and they're all always like they're i'm gonna be there seven days a week and they're like, oh great you know? right <laughs> so, uh I you know you. that's probably the main difference i see but right on yeah, yeah. Other than that, the weather doesn't mess with me much at all if they come in seven days a week it's like i right, go sit on that bicycle 
<laughs> I got nothing for you, bro. Right. So, <laughs> you squatted after yesterday. We're not doing it again today. Yeah. So, what about uh, you, Mike? You live in an extreme, uh, arguably, environment. I mean, when you're actually home and not in, you know, Mexico or yeah. God knows where, <laughs> Guatemala doing your <laughs> your uh, wind, wind, parasailing, windsurfing, whatever. But so right. other pursuits. Uh, yeah, most of my clients are online, so you know a lot of it just depends on location. I mean, I've had people from you know New Zealand, Australia, so on the other side of the world to like even way northern Canada. Um, the thing I do find is that if you're in a colder environment, just getting outside is good. I think um, Minnesota is luckily because it's cold, but at least it's relatively sunny in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, just from- old circadian rhythm trying to get them some sunlight just on the eyeballs in the morning to kind of anchor their circadian rhythm and then i do have probably 95 percent of my clients have a, a fitbit or some type of watch so i always record their step count because i want an idea of about you know because i have the paradox of what phil has most of my clients are off kind of on their own quote unquote all the time mm-hmm. so i kind of need a way to keep a little bit of a leash on them and be like Hey, your step count is like two thousand steps. What the hell happened? You know, <laughs> yeah. so trying to keep that up, which I know even myself can be tricky. So I'll do what Jody, my wife, calls the reverse strip tease, where you put more clothes on before you go outside, and then just leave them by the door. So if I get up in the morning, I just walk by the door, put all my clothes on, and I just go for a walk in the morning. So it takes more effort that I actually have to paradoxically kind of program in more walking and stuff in the winter just otherwise i don't go outside nearly as much yeah unlike minnesota i can tell you in ohio we have a lot of our winter which is like 40 degrees and freezing rain which is really Uh, bullshit to go outside and walk yeah kelly and i will 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 try to create little like mutual deals like if it's not raining let's go let's just go walk around the neighborhood (laughs) for half an hour before work so to try to kind of force that issue a little bit you know yeah so yeah, I yeah. get it. Minnesota will be 10 below, but it's sunny. <laughs> right. I noticed that when I was up there, right, a lot of people from Ohio, they'd be like, oh, it's it's even worse up there. I'm like, no, it's actually sunnier. Like the Cleveland area is like the third cloudiest in the country, I think, behind like Seattle and I don't know, somewhere yeah. in Michigan. And yeah, and so it's it's pretty lousy here. And I can see to Phil's point, like as a gem owner, it's like, oh, God, I got a whole wave of people coming in here because there's nowhere else that they can move really this time of year. <laughs> so yeah. They're lining up so, at the at the bike or something. I don't know. Yeah. So. yeah, I even have a big gym membership at Lifetime here that's like a mile down the road, so I'll always walk there. But that's yeah, nice just to get outside, and they've got a, a pool and a basketball court and just other activities I can do without like I'm freezing all the time just just to get some just general movement in. Right yeah. on. Okay, let me wrap up by offering some thank yous here. Uh, by the way, uh, people who are supporting the show. Uh, I think you know this, but we have to pay for the web server. In fact, that time of year is now I'm getting nagged by our server. Uh, We have to pay for certain things, but we also try to take a small amount of the money and support students and athletes. And I'm not going to go into gory details, but the money always goes to a good place, and it's very related to our community as lifters. So just so you know that. Phil and I were talking a little bit before I hit record. But um, thanks to the following people here. Uh, this is very random, so if I don't mention your name, I still see on a regular basis who supports the show, and it's very much appreciated. But uh, Colin, Dan, Jacob, Corey, Nathan, Philip, and Christopher, you are the ones I noticed by name 
uh, just very recently. Some new supporters in the fall funds drive, so thank you. Some current supporters, and like I said, I'm trying to get some time here. Uh, end of the month, early January, where I'll send you some thank yous. I've got a few things on my little swag list. There's uh, some coffee mugs or some earbuds. I thought that was thematic for a podcast. Mm-hmm. You can listen to us. Stuff like that. Sometimes it's online audio. Uh, I've got a couple special topic kinds of things that I can, if you get a hold of me, and you say, hey, I, I'm a supporter, long time or otherwise. Uh, here's, you know, here's my uh, mailing address. I, I would like a mug or I would like something like that. Or it, it, sometimes, like I said, it's just uh, here's a link so you can go listen to uh, a free seminar or something like that that other people can't get. So we're trying to be uh, respectful and grateful for the people who keep help us keep the lights on. So, Okay, that'll be it for this week, and uh, we'll see you next time, I guess. Thanks a lot, guys. Cool. See ya. Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store. Uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.